0: Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah! Greetings listeners, and welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. Your hosts today are me, Libby Edwards.
1: And I'm Clara Germaine Lilly.
0: October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Every year, over 12 million adults are victims of domestic violence and guns in the hands of abusers pose an even more significant threat to intimate partners and families. These killings often involve not only the partner, but children, friends and family member, pets, and even law enforcement officers. This month, Radio Gag will feature the individuals and programs that aid victims and survivors of domestic violence.
1: On our show today, our In Memoriam, a gun violence prevention news update, an interview with Stephanie McGraw and Trayvon Brown of We All Really Matter. But first, our In Memoriam.
2: In Memoriam, Maria Cruz. Our In Memoriam is taken from People Magazine, CBS Miami, The New York Post, and the National Gun Violence Memorial. In remembrance of maria cruz 51 years old september 1st 2023 miami florida maria cruz a florida middle school math teacher was shot and killed in an apparent murder suicide cruz and a visitor to the home were shot by cruz's husband police said the deceased victim and subject were husband and wife the surviving victim who is in critical condition is a family acquaintance another woman was in the home at the time police say but was not injured. Cruz taught algebra, geometry, and Spanish at Doral Academy K-8 Charter. According to the school's website, Doral Academy community was left stunned by the killing of Cruz, who left behind two daughters. Principal Eleonora Cuesta shared in a statement, her compassion, commitment, and love for her students have left an indelible mark on us all. In these difficult times, our thoughts and heartfelt prayers are with her daughters, At the time of her death, Cruz had been working at the school for almost 10 years. Maria Cruz, we remember you. Next, our
1: gun violence prevention news update.
2: I'm Ty Kersley with the GVP News. From the Center of American Progress, United States v. Rahimi highlights how the U.S. Supreme Court's adherence to originalism will fail survivors of domestic violence. On November 7, 2023, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments for the case United States v. Rahimi. Ultimately, the justices will decide whether a federal law that prohibits those who are actively subject to a domestic violence civil restraining order from possessing firearms is constitutional under the Second Amendment. The case is being closely watched for many reasons including the real possibility that the safety and security of domestic violence survivors in the 21st century will be decided based on a historical record written exclusively by white, wealthy, male landowners from the 18th century. Rahimi is an important flashpoint in the rapid evolution of American just prudence. It exemplifies the impact of how the current conservative majority on the Supreme Court attempts to legitimize the upending of legal precedent under the guise of conservative legal theories known as originalism. Arguably the detriment of all Americans, but women in communities of color in particular. Rahimi is also being argued during a political movement when the expansion of individual gun rights, as opposed to gun violence prevention, has become a rallying cry for far-right extremists and many Republican lawmakers. Most importantly, amid the politicization of the judiciary, is the reality that the lives of thousands of women, children, and other potential survivors of domestic violence are at stake in United States versus Rahimi. From the trace, on Monday afternoon, just before 5 p.m. deadline, justices on the Supreme Court appeared to send a message. For the second time in as many weeks, the Court ruled that the Biden administration can, for now, continue regulating ghost guns again overturning an injunction from far-right-wing U.S. District Court Judge Reed O'Connor. But unlike the earlier ruling which was made by a split court, no justice publicly dissented from this week's decision. Per NPR the Supreme Court essentially told O'Connor and the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which upheld the district judge's order, to quit it with the defiance. O'Connor is not an isolated case. Like many judges across the U.S. today, O'Connor has ties to the Federalist Society, the powerful conservative network steered by Leonard Leo that spent decades on a mission to fill the American legal system with right-wing judges. And his string of rulings illustrates a trend in the legal system. In recent years, The Atlantic reported, as the country has become more polarized, lower courts have been increasingly emboldened to grant injunctions that apply far beyond their jurisdictions. The Supreme Court's 2022 Bruin decision, which instituted a vague historical test for determining the constitutionality of gun laws, kicked that legal disarray into high gear. As journalist Chris Geidner wrote this week, the Supreme Court's action on ghost gun regulation doesn't necessarily mean that its conservative majority wants to change how judges like O'Connor or courts like the Fifth Circuit are operating. The 6-3 conservative high court is more likely to take advantage of the extremism as often as, if not more than, it acts to stop it. Occasional pushback from the justices to the most lawless moves from the appeals courts can become a feature, not a bug, of efforts to take the law in this country further and further to the right. But, Geidner continues, cherry-picking cases could quickly be seen as a cover, a distraction, if the Supreme Court otherwise uses the lower court's extremism to advance a larger project of far-right legal overhaul. And that, in turn, could have long-term consequences for the court's legitimacy. I'm Ty Kersley with the GVP News.
0: If you or someone you know is experiencing active domestic violence, please call 911 or 988 for immediate assistance and stay tuned until the end of the program for more ways to seek help. Next up, Sarah Lilly, and I are happy to welcome back Stephanie McGraw, founder of We All Really Matter, also known as WARM. We first spoke with Stephanie back in October 2022 when Warm came to our attention as a result of the fatal shooting of Asia Johnson, a young mother killed by her estranged boyfriend. We're very pleased to have you back with us, Stephanie, and welcome again to Radio Gag. Good afternoon. Thank you for having us back. And again, we
3: always like to take a moment to remember the month of October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, where we get an opportunity to really highlight these cases, talk about what's uh, happening in the world when it comes to domestic violence. So we're so honored to be here at this time. We thank you for having us. So, my name is Stephanie McGram the founder and CEO of WARM. WARM stands for We All Really Matter. And if you don't matter, then what does it mean? Um, a, br- a brief description of who we are we are an agency located in, at 8 West 26th Street. We are predominantly uh, operating marginalized and underserved communities where this issue of domestic violence is still considered to be a pandemic. So we are the critical response team. We respond to uh, uh, women being um, brutally attacked and sometimes women being murdered, unfortunately, like we met when Asia Johnson was gunned down, executed style by her uh, estranged uh, boyfriend who also was the father. So we offer some critical services, you know. Here at Warm, we really believe in taking a holistic approach to healing. And we meet women and children where they are. We offer uh, emergency victim services, family placement shelters, emergency um, Food, clothing, and sometimes a small financially donations to women because we know when women are escaping from these abuse relationships they have to escape with nothing. So we have a robust store where we offer uh, wellness packages to women and children. Um, we do immigration. We do um, emergency funeral expenses for women that. Have lost their lives. We help the family uh, with those critical needs, and we also have a grief counseling here because, from my my own personal experience, we wouldn't talk. We were not taught how to grieve, so grieving is a. you know, something that we are bringing to our community and letting women and children know it's okay to grieve, but in a healthy kind of way, not picking up alcohol or drugs and fighting. And that's what usually happens, you know. So we uh, we have a big advocacy unit here where we advocate for women because uh, a lot of times uh, women that are in a abusive relationship, has lost their voice. And we know that silence hides violence. So we promote, uh, and sometimes we are the voice for these women. You know, we have, we offer a lot of ACS, we have a lot of ACS uh, clients that women um, are dealing with the courts. Um, We have on-site virtual, we were the only agency during the pandemic that was open offering virtual court because women were like at a loss uh, in how to navigate and how to move to get the services that are needed. And we just launched our, we so excited to announce our um, training academy school here. Mm-hmm. And we have a 12 week program for women understanding uh, domestic violence, red signs, red flags, how to get out and a PTSD and trauma, because we know that a lot of women that are in these abuse relationships are traumatized like myself, you know, that what do you call recycled trauma and uh, that keeps perpetuating from generation to, generation to generation. So we offer these classes to to try to um prevent uh it going to
0: the next generation. That's so comprehensive and so necessary. I I think I think that's sort of new, at least it's a new aspect of your program. And I think it's just brilliant that you have something like that that really goes beyond the immediate need to the long term need
3: yes because it is a lifetime of healing
0: i know that uh, domestic abuse went up a lot during the pandemic lockdown and uh I don't know if that's changed. And I've also, if you've noticed any change, and I'm also wondering if you've noticed any change as the result of uh, what's known as the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act that closed the so-called boyfriend loophole um, that excluded dating partners from some of the protections that, uh, from gun violence that were accorded to fa- people with familial connections.
3: Well, again, we're going back to Roe versus versus Wade. We're going back to uh, things that were put in place for women and children. This uh, particular incident, uh, what you're talking about now, it's absolutely, again, alarming to women and children because what they are trying to do is dismantle anything that's going to protect women and children and of course we we know uh, the powers that be that sit on some of these benches that are making decisions are not people that look like me and take on okay And, and um anything that to protect that um that uh those systems that w- were put in place to make uh, those powers that be comfortable. It's alarming to me because we are living in a real world and, and what decisions that they make is not based on what will be the best entrance of women and children.
1: We've learned that women who file claims for domestic abuse often are not interested in filing c- criminal charges so they file, they ask for a civil order of protection. Uh, Can you tell us why that is the case, that they don't want to file criminal charges against their abuser?
3: You know, this is a very loaded question. This is a a very deep, I mean, you know, are you ready for the shovel or you just want the you want the surface uh, uh, information? Are Are you ready to go deep? You ready to dig in?
1: I think you should go all the way with what you have to say, Stephanie.
3: This is that kind of question. This is a question where you need the shovel because it it is deep, okay? Uh, One of the things, you know, first of all, you know, we have to really understand the nature of domestic violence. We have to really go back and look at the the mindset of people that are, in the abusers and the women and the people that are being abused. So when you have someone that has been in long term um, slavery who were in long term slavery the devastating effects of that is still permeated in our streets and our community without youth with all this gun violence all this domestic violence when you are already crippled in systemic racism and when you already have a system that has already structured you to not even feel good about yourself So if you're dealing with someone that has low self-esteem and they don't value themselves and don't even see the importance of protecting themselves, they are absolutely 100% clueless on how can I even protect myself from this this person that I'm with. You're living in two truths already. You're with someone, you're living in two truths. So how do you live in uh, two truths? You live with someone that you love, potentially. And then you're also living with someone that is very abusive and dangerous with you. So you, you, you it's a very intricate kind of uh, uh, up and down, no understanding balance. We were down in Domstack yesterday at one police plaza, and uh, one of the officers did, got reprimanded because he went in the house and said, oh, why don't you just leave? That's the last thing that Anyone should be saying to a victim of the nest house when you don't know you. I can come into your house. Let me give you a perfect example. I come and sit on your lovely couch. Oh uh, Sarah, okay, I'm going to Sarah's house. We're having a cup of coffee, and me and Sarah are sitting down having a cup of coffee, and I accidentally spill the coffee on your beautiful white sofa, Sarah. You're gonna see that stain there. Because yeah. it's, it's obvious that something happened here, but what you don't get to see see how steep that route and how steep that goes down into the fabric where you cannot see. So you're talking about why women go into these abuse relationship and uh, don't. First of all, a lot of them don't even know their rights. Okay, let's let's go back there. A lot of them don't even uh, understand um, that they can go to court and do some of these things, right? So that's what a part of our job is to educate, advocate, give these women this information. And from my own personal experience at being a survivor, because you all know that I gave birth to this organization in 2010, coming out of my own vicious cycle and, and didn't understand how to navigate, where was I going to get help? I didn't see anyone that had any lived experience. Yeah, and I don't think two truths when you come from an environment where you see systems that are put into place um, and you don't have a trust of calling the police or calling a district attorney or even knowing that you would get just, uh, is it just us or is it just us? Is it justice for all? Or well, it's just a, so you live in you, you. we gotta put all these factors in place. Why women may not want to call? Why they may not want to look like? Okay, I'm gonna hold back because these systems were not put in place to to be fairness to uh, black and brown people. These systems, the court system, the jail system, the foster care system, the police systems. What we are really working with to try to uh, shift some kind of. Um, um, vibrations and, and, and how we look at and how we want to reimagine how we want to be treated by some of these systems. So you have all that in place. And then you have a violent situation. And when you have experience from calling some of these places and going to some of these places and, and not getting fair treatment, sometimes women just say, oh, i just rather not be bothered and then on top of that low self esteem and that buying yourself that's uh that puts another layer of another layer on this but however what has made us so uniquely different is again we the majority of the women um and um, counterparts that work here males and females um, men and women that work here have had some kind of Um, interaction with some of these systems that may have family members that have been uh, survivors like myself I'm a survivor so my approach to talking to these women about how I got through it and what I did and what was the best practice instead of going I mean you know we are really we really are very um, um, happy that we have doctors and lawyers and therapists they all have Intimate part. They all are a part of the puzzle, but ain't it's nothing like a good me too sister. Let me just come <laughs> on, let me just walk you on out of this because this is how I got it. So that's what makes warm uniquely different.
1: This is Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. You can hear us on any podcast platform. We want to hear from you. Subscribe and leave a message after you listen. Tell us what you love about radio gag or what really makes you gag about gun violence. We also urge you to get involved by joining a gun violence prevention group, such as Gays Against Guns, Change the Ref, or Moms Demand Action. And now we return to our interview with WARM, We All Really Matter, with Stephanie McGraw, and Tavon Brown.
0: So welcome, Tavon. And please tell us what the role of a Peer Navigator is and how your program works.
4: Hello, how you doing? I'm Tavon Brown. I'm one of the Peer Navigators here at WARM. Um, basically how it works, we are the, the front-line workers when it comes to the clients, right? So when the clients come into our space and they're getting out of these um, these situations, um from emergency victim services um we help them with um shelter placements we help them with hr assistance we have immigration assistance we navigate them with referrals to mental health and um legal referral also so that's our way from bridging access to care from where they're from to where they're going we have so many, so many, so many, so many programs here. Like I have one. I, I remember a client of mine who came in. We what do they call itself? The critical response. Response when they with come. The critical response when they come in from the with the police and MRPD police, and they are beaten down. They are broken. They are coming out of their 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 struggles, right? And we help them from getting a a shelter program to. HR assistance, help them with um financial supports. So now she's got her own apartment. She have um voucher, help her find apartments, help them with um how to furnish the apartments. And now she's we have our own um store here at Warm, supply them with with with, with items such as fambers, with deodorants, with with wash washcloth, with panties, with diapers, with, <laughs> all the the kind of products right and it's not just women also i've had clients who are men um again intimate partner violence family violence to either it's so same. same sex sex, like same sex you know so i have men like from black and brown men to women and to, to to elderly abuse also it's not just women. Um, okay. A lot of guys are very, very, very scared to step forward, right? Because we always hear, oh, um, domestic violence is supposed to be for women, Man up. But when the ones that do step up, I actually commend them for stepping up, commend them for taking that step, commend them for for wanting better for themselves also. It's like, again, it's not just women. So again, they come to me as a peer navigator, me and other um, colleagues who are peer navigators, and we have to navigate from point A to point B. So that's what we do here at Worm um, as a peer navigators.
0: We're going to have a program on same-sex domestic violence next next week. Uh, do you, are you seeing same-sex violence or is it woman against men? How do with that uh, component of men being abused, just quickly, how do you where is that coming from?
4: Um, it it could be both woman against men against woman woman against men could be men against men woman against woman. Um, I have LGBTQIA um, clients. I have men who are their partners their their partners their the fiancés or their wives are also the abusers. So it's not just you know one way domestic violence affects all parties. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So is how, um, is there a way? as we wrap up, can you tell us how, how does someone get in touch with WARM to get us assistance um, from the peer navigator or assistance in general?
3: Yeah, so we have, um, you know, we just finished up our, um, I told domestic violence awareness month. So we had a couple of domestic violence walk. We have our love on the block. We just finished about reclaiming your power workshop. But one of the ways you can get it involved um you can call us, you can uh, go onto our website. You know, we cannot do this work without donations, but we're desperately always in need for. But one of the ways you can reach out to us, you can call our hotline number at 917-736-1621 or 917-736-1046 or 917 736 6 Eight zero. you can reach out to us at uh, we really org. you can go to our Instagram handle warm NYC where you can follow us and get all the information all the updates and all the resources will be there um we are you can email us at we really matter at gmail.com. And I'll put up a QR code um, if anybody just wants to scan our QR code uh, for all the information for ways to donate uh, to the agency.
0: That's great. Um, And we thank you for the work that you're doing in the community and providing such a comprehensive and essential service. It's
3: Yeah, and I just like to take a moment of silence before I want to flash these, and then I like to take a moment of silence. This was Asia Johnson. Asia lost her life to gun violence. She was 20 years old. She had her her three month old baby right. We're just strolling the baby on 95th and um, Third Avenue. Another moment of silence for Shanice Young, who was nine months pregnant, and she was coming from her baby shower. She was shot to death by a gun, her ex-boyfriend. He killed her in front of her children, and she was nine months pregnant. Like to take a moment of silence as we close out this and remembering this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Let's take a moment of silence and remember Brittany Duffy, beautiful, inspiring, young, amazing woman who started her life, got away from her abuser, uh, got a job, moved downtown with her son, her ex-boyfriend came to the house, shot her in the neck, killed her. She was three months pregnant, and he killed her in front of their eight-year-old son. So these are the faces of gun violence and domestic violence. And I have a whole book here, but I'm not even going to go into the book. I just wanted to pull out you know, just some of the women, but all of these women have been murdered. Every single last one. We are on the front line. We get to see the devastating effects of domestic violence and how, how vicious gun violence is. So when you're talking about this uh, this um, red flag law and um, that might possibly be turned over, remember these faces because here in the marginalized and underserved communities A lot of women don't even know about the red flag law. A lot of women don't even know how this may affect them. And then this is something I really want to say about New York City and and some of the neighborhoods we deal with. We're in the Bronx. We're in Brooklyn. We're here in Harlem. Um, Men that uh, have guns in these areas are not going to stores and
0: purchasing them. Everyone is getting illegal guns here in New York City you know ghost guns and guns from the iron pipeline figure prominently in crime in New York City absolutely
1: that's the point thank you
0: well, Stephanie and Tavon thank you so much for being with radio gag today you provided a wealth of information for our listeners and We thank you again for all the good work you are doing, we will definitely stay in touch and please let us know if you need to promote any new programs or events we'd be happy to work with you.
3: Thank you so much, thank you for having us and remember we all really matter.
0: You are listening to Radio Gag and our podcast for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Domestic violence, also referred to as intimate partner violence or IPV, dating abuse or relationship abuse, is a pattern of behaviors used by one partner to maintain power and control over another partner in an intimate relationship. Domestic violence, which includes psychological abuse, physical harm, intimidation, or manipulation in order to control a partner, can happen to anyone, even kids. If you are being abused by someone in your household or community, there are organizations that stand ready to help. Of course, if the threat is imminent, call 911 or 988. Here are some hotlines that can also offer assistance. New York State Coalition Against Domestic Violence, hotline New York State, 1-800-942-6906. Hotline for New York City, 1-800-621-4673. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 800-799-7233. Three. Their site is full of information that helps people understand and recognize domestic abuse. Also, through their website, thehotline.org, you can connect by untraceable internet chat and text, as well as locate resources available in your state. That's all for today. Be sure to listen to next week's show that will discuss domestic violence within the LGBTQ plus community.
1: To find out more about working with us, please go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against guns New York. That's Gays on Facebook and Instagram or GagNoguns on Twitter. We meet once a month at the LGBTQ Center on 13th Street in Manhattan and on Zoom. Please email gagsignup at gmail.com and we'll provide you with a zoom link and details for our next meeting 10 26 at 7pm. Everybody is welcome to any and all gag events and you can donate to gays against guns. Currently, we are producing a documentary about gays against guns by filmmaker Paul Rowley and preparing for the National Gun Violence Vigil on December sixth, twenty 2023. You can contribute any amount on our webpage, gaysagainstguns.net. Please do. It's time to end our show. Thanks for listening, and we are back with a new episode almost every week. Upcoming shows include our focus on domestic violence awareness for the month of October and a series on the economic and social costs of gun violence in our country. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on any major podcast platform. Our shows are also featured on BRIC, B-R-I-C, Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Please subscribe to our podcast so you'll be notified when new shows drop. And we leave you with our fabulous singing quartet, Sing Out, Louise. Well, I think it would hit nice. If we could break your lobby Cause no, not every lobby Knows how to lobby like you No And you never, never think it. twice Before you take our dreams
4: away while we say F*** the NRA And all the cash you blew Oh yeah, you bought up Congress For 20 million And then the White House 30 million more Well, well you, you can, can spend, spend your heart a billion,
0: billion. We don't care about your money. We are showing you the door.
4: Because we got gotta it. have faith. We gotta have faith. Oh yeah, God. we gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. We gotta have faith, the faith,
1: the faith. Ah,
4: baby, we won't go back to yesterday. So please, 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 stay away. You are giving us the blues. May. We're gonna break the money chain Then we won't have to feel the pain Of another day loaded down with a lot of bad news Just watch this river become an ocean Listen, Listen. do you hear that mighty
1: roar? Yeah, baby, we'll
4: keep resisting Your evil notions
3: We have had it up to here And we are
0: showing not one more
3: Cause you gotta have faith we, we gotta, gotta have faith, oh yeah, we gotta, gotta have faith, the faith, the faith, we gotta have faith, the
1: faith, the faith, ah.